0: Life is exciting. Life is also terrifying. Right? So many choices, so many possibilities. And so many choices and so many possibilities. It's it's kind of overwhelming. And I'm sure you seniors know that better than anybody. Where for the last year at least, everyone's been saying, What are you gonna do? Hey, what about next year? Hey, what about the rest of your life? Hey, do you have it all figured out? And certain parts of it are so exciting because you think okay i'm starting this new chapter of my life i am uh going to step into uh maybe greater self-knowledge like claiming my identity of, of who i am as an emerging adult like that's a pretty cool thing it's also a terrifying prospect of realizing i've been on this this earth for what 18 or so years and i still kind of don't know who I am. Well, guess what? At, in your early 30s, that'll still be the case. <laughs> in your late 80s, that might still be the case. Your entire life will be one of discovering who God has made you to be, who you are in his eyes, discovering and then rediscovering your great dignity and the God in whose image you were created, who shed his blood to redeem you, and who calls you on this great adventure that was first of all existence, but then an even greater ex- uh, adventure of discipleship. Those words that he says to Peter, that he said way in the beginning of the gospel, follow me now at the very end, after his resurrection, he says once more, follow me. And he says to you, follow me. And Peter's a pretty good guide for us. I mean, for me at least. I don't know. You all might not ever be insecure. You might not ever have any fears or worries. You may have never fallen or had any failures that you uh, can ascribe to your own history. Great for you. For me at least, I'm a mess. And so when I look at Peter, I get hope. Because Peter is one who shows us that pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. Right. Sometimes the person that is talking a big game, chest puffed out, seems to have it all together, so insecure, so scared, just terrified that the moment's going to be too big for him. And that was Peter on Holy Thursday. right? The very same night that he had proclaimed to the Lord Jesus, even if it means that I should die, I will not abandon you. I will go with you to the ends of the earth. And just a few hours later, three times says, no, I, I, I don't know him. No, 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 you, you're mistaken. I, I'm, I, I have no connection with him. No, 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 just get away from me. I just don't want to be tainted by knowing him because I'm scared of what you'll think of me. I'm scared of what you'll do to me. And how often is that us? It's not an easy world to be a Catholic in. Right? We're at this kind of change of era when it comes to the way that we view reality, the human person. Right? The, the, the world has no more consensus about what the point of life is. And you're being thrown into it. And very often you might feel like lambs in the midst of wolves. You might be filled with that same fear that characterized Peter on that holy Thursday night. You may even remember all too well moments that you have in fact betrayed the Lord. You might be thinking to yourself yeah i do it all the time like i quite frankly father like i'm here at church but i don't even know what i believe right now well you're in the right place what do we learn from peter we learn that he is different in today's gospel in today's first reading than he was that holy thursday night it couldn't be a more stark difference between him On Holy Thursday night, betraying the Lord, denying him three times, and him proclaiming to the high priest in the whole Sanhedrin after they imprisoned him, before they beat him, when he knew that they could actually kill him, saying, Am I to obey you or God? I will not stop proclaiming Jesus because he has changed everything. We might ask, Peter, what changed in you? Because I want some of that. If you could bottle up that courage that you have, I want some of it. We, we might be saying that to Peter because through that coward turned courageous proclaimer of Jesus Christ, the entire face of the earth changed. A movement of just a handful of people changed the face of the earth. And that's what you're called to as well. And so the question is, what changed in Peter to turn him from a coward to a courageous proclaimer of Jesus Christ, him crucified, him risen from the dead? What changed was not his circumstances. And that is, if you take one thing out of this whole homily, this is what I want you to take at it. Don't wait for the circumstances to change. Don't wait for other people to be changed. Don't assume that if I pray long enough and hard enough, he's going to change, she's going to change, my situation's going to improve. That's not what's supposed to change in prayer. In prayer, you are the one that God wants to change. The great miracle is not that your life becomes easier, but that you become stronger. The transformation has to occur within you, and then the transformation can occur through you, and situations can change. That's how it happened for Peter. And Jesus did it in the most beautiful way. Right? Three times Peter denied. By a charcoal fire. And then by a charcoal fire after the resurrection, Jesus calls Peter aside. And asks him a very simple question, but a question that says so much. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these See, he goes right back to to who he met Simon Peter as. Before he gave him this name and this title of Peter, before he said, the the, the church will be built upon you and, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, before that, just this Simon guy, with all of his faults and failures, all of his shortcomings and insecurities, he speaks to that man. And he says, yeah, you, I know your failures. But right now, I don't want you to focus on them. I want you to answer this question Do you love me more than these? We could take that a couple ways. We could think that Jesus is asking him, Do you love me more than these other ones love me? Or, Do you love me more than you love these other ones? But no matter what angle you look at it, Jesus is asking him, Am I first? and he's not asking that because he's some kind of megalomaniac or because he needs that attention he's asking that because we need Jesus like our bodies need oxygen right we 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 are dependent on him like we are dependent on nothing else on god's green earth and so he is asking peter peter do you understand that do you understand that if you have me you have everything even if the entire world hates you if you don't have me you have nothing even if you have all the world can offer. And all of that's summed up in Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? But what's beautiful is God's patience with us. Right, we read elsewhere in Scripture that God's patience is directed towards salvation. So it's not this patience that's really indifference. It's not Him just saying like, eh, whatever, I don't care if you love me or not, just do your thing. No, no, no. He wants desperately for us to love Him because that is the only w- that. The, first of all, that is what we were built for. What we were created by love for, love for an eternity in love with Jesus and all of the communion of saints. But he also knows that we depend on that love for our very existence and for our eternal bliss. But he's patient, even though he calls us to something great. Here, the word that he uses for love is agape. Now, you may have heard this distinction before, but I'll say it again. Agape is this highest form of love. Greek has several different um, words for love. This is the tippy-top one. This is the one that is this divine, selfless love, this love that is totally concerned with the other, almost loses itself in the other, that says, I don't just love you for what you can do for me, I love you for you. And he says, is that the kind of love that you have for me? Now, Peter, who we saw throughout the Gospels as being a rather overly confident man sometimes, has been humbled by his fall. And so his response to Jesus is not, yes, I love you with that highest possible love. I will go to you to the ends of the earth. No, no, no. He's been humbled and he knows his own, his own uh, shortcomings. And he says, oh, Jesus, I love you with a kind of love. He uses a different word for love. And that other word for love is more of this like friendship kind of love. This like... Listen, Jesus, I know that I should love you in the best way possible, but this puny little heart of mine is only capable of this tiny little bit of love. Will you accept that? And the beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't say, No, 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 I only accept the best. Get out of my face, Peter. No, he says, Okay, I'll meet you where you're at. And so we see the second questioning. Jesus still has this high calling for Peter, but says, Okay. I'll lift you up to this level. Slowly but surely, I'll work with you, bit by bit, to bring you to where you were meant to be. And so he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? No more more than these or anything like this. Just do you, do you think that you might be capable of this agape type of love? But Peter, once again, says, God, I know that I should be loving you with an agape kind of love, but all I can muster is philia. Now, after that, Jesus could have said, listen, I lowered the bar enough for you, Peter. Like, just, no, I'm done with you. That's not the God we worship. No, instead, he says, that's still my end goal, but I am going to meet you exactly where you're at. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me with at least a philia kind of love? With, With at least that love that you're capable of right now? And then Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that that is all the love that I can muster for you right now. And then through that encounter with Jesus Christ, where he was able to proclaim his love, where Jesus was able to patiently draw out of him deeper and deeper love, Peter was changed. He was opened up to be able to receive the very Spirit of God, and he was a new man that created a new earth. Right? So much changed in world history. The redemption went out to all the corners of the globe through this man who was so weak, who had failed so miserably, but who through the little love that he can muster for Jesus Christ was able to become a new person, courageous, bold, fearing not even death or torture because he knew Jesus who was risen and victorious in heaven. That is our prayer for you all. That you can have just as deep of an encounter with Jesus Christ, and you may say, well, great, yeah, if I saw him, that would be good, but frankly, I've tried to pray, and it's really difficult. I don't hear some voice coming back to me, and so what am I going to do, Father? Well, there you're actually having a similar experience to those disciples that we read about in today's gospel. Before this private conversation between Peter and Jesus, we saw them out fishing, doing what they knew how to do, right? They had no idea what their mission was going to be, so they said, okay, what am I good at? Fishing. Let's let's hit the boats. Let's go fishing. And it was coming up empty. Right After their experience with Jesus' death and resurrection, they thought, everything that I had before just doesn't cut it. And you might have had that experience so far. You might have thought, you know, this relationship's going to make me so happy. It's going to fulfill all my dreams. And then you're in the relationship and you realize, I kind of don't like this guy. I kind of don't like her as much as I thought that I would. Oh, gosh, this is, how do I get out of it without breaking a heart, right? Or you might have thought, once I get onto the team, once I get this grade, once I get this job, and your life's going to be filled with things like that, where you think, once this situation changes, I'll be so happy. And then the situation changes and you, rem- you realize your sadness is unchanged. And you're like those fishermen. Cast their nets, caught nothing. Then they saw someone on the shore, but did not recognize him immediately as Jesus. And that's where we are so often. We don't see Jesus. We don't hear him. We feel like he's being distant, like he's playing hide and seek. Why can't you just make yourself obviously here? but he calls us to trust. They could have said to this strange figure who said, cast your net on the right side, they could have very well said, like, what do you know? Like, I'm waiting on God to help me, not you, weird guy on the shore. And yet sometimes God likes to speak through the weird guy on the shore. Right, very often we think that for God to speak to me, it has to be direct. Clouds parting, booming voice, Michael, do this. That's not the way God works. More often than not, he speaks through an intermediary. Just as he gave us physical life through our parents, just as he nourishes that life through so many different instruments, so in our spiritual life, he's going to speak to us through anything and everything because he is the creator and sovereign master of all. I might ask him in private prayer, like, Lord, show me the way. And then in a conversation four days later, through somebody who doesn't even believe in God, he might give me that insight that I need. We might say, like, well, some help you were, God. I had to wait till Larry told me. And God's just standing there saying, like, who created Larry? Man, sometimes you're so dumb, Michael. (laughs) That's at least me, not you. We saw that they didn't recognize him until they trusted and did what he said. And so that's my other prayer for you. Is that as you embark on your lives, that you can trust him. That with all of these options and possibilities that are opening before you, you may realize, I actually do have a guide in the church, right? And I'm finally in that point in my life where I can choose this, where I can actually take this incredible instrument that I have up here, this brain, this mind. And I can apply it to learning my faith at a deeper level than I ever have before. When I have questions or when things don't make sense, when I think this is a dumb rule, instead of just saying that's a dumb rule, I'm not going to do it, I say, ooh, dumb rule that's been around for a while and apparently God himself made. Maybe I should look into the why behind the rule instead of just saying like, well, it's dumb. I read on Twitter somewhere that it's dumb. Learn your faith. Trust in Jesus question, absolutely, but question in this attitude of trust and never miss that weekly encounter that you have with Jesus in the mass. There are days that it's boring. There are days that I'm here talking for 16 plus minutes like today, but that doesn't obscure the fact that Jesus is here. No matter who's preaching, no matter who's singing, no matter who's sitting next to you in the pew, Jesus is here just as truly as he was with Peter. We had that second reading from the book of Revelation, and we might have thought, that's a weird reading. I mean, I get how the other ones kind of get together with Peter, but this one's just weird, all about like angels and elders and all this worship and falling down prostrate. I don't get what that is. And we're so scared of the book of Revelation because we think it's all about the end times, doom and gloom, right? The end of all things. But it's just as truly about the mass. What we have in Revelation is John being able to see the heavenly liturgy, see the worship of God, have this glimpse of what we participate in in every Mass. And so in every Mass, you have a window into heaven. You have a glimpse into eternity. You get to have communion with all the saints. And you get to have Jesus looking at you just as truly as he looked at Peter and asking you, do you love me? I get that you might think that you are not capable of much love. I can work with that and raise your love to a higher level. You might be thinking about the ways that you've betrayed me. I was there, and yet I'm still seeking love for you from you. right? I, I, I know how you failed. I'm not shocked by it. I mean, I've known the whole story the whole time. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on, are you willing to love me now? He'll continue asking that. And I pray that you'll continue showing up for the encounter with him. That you may learn to love him more and more and more. That you may learn how much he loves you more and more and more. And that you could spend this next chapter of your life and indeed the rest of your lives following his invitation that he gave to Peter and now gives to you. When he looks at you, knowing all your faults and failures, and says, follow me.